Well, greetings and hello. Welcome to the only podcast of its kind anywhere that is devoted to the topic of Agile, Scrum, Safe, Extreme Programming, and you name it. This is the Guardian Podcast with Ren Melberg. My name is Harold Nickel. Before the interview segment with Ren, we like to take a look at a couple of the news items that are occurring from around the Agile world. Building an Agile government with cloud-based analytics. By some estimates, the use of digital records in the Obama administration will create more data than all previous administrations combined. Unsurprisingly, the explosion of data, volume, variety, and velocity in the federal government has created enormous challenges for acquiring technology and talent to meet the surging data analytics need. As a result of that analytics gap, many federal agencies are struggling to meet their mandated objectives. For those who are planning to migrate to cloud-based analytics, there are three simple best practices to keep in mind to maximize its potential. Embrace technologies endorsed by the developer community, think holistically about your needs, and of course offload non-critical work to maximize productivity. This article came to us from the uh, Federal Worker magazine that goes to information workers who are also federal employees, and a link to that is up on renmelberg.com. The Department of Transportation has awarded a $68 million Agile software contract to a company called Calabralink. I'm sure I said it wrong. Calabralink? Calabralink? Anyway... They're $68 million to the good today because the Department of Transportation awarded management and information technology consultants, Collaborolink Technologies, a $68 million blanket purchase agreement to provide comprehensive agile engineering and modernization services using the Appian business process management platform. Collaborolink will be responsible for providing program management, user support, application support, and maintenance for existing systems, major agile application development for new and existing systems, security and general IT support to the Department of Transportation, as well as the Federal Transit Administration. So like I said before, links to both of those are on Ren's website. There's a special page for news items. And there are a couple of other stories that I've posted there as well. There were too long to try to summarize in this format. But the whole story, or at least links to the whole stories, are there. And those are from the Agile Network. A couple of really good signed opinion pieces by those folks. You'll want to check that out. And you'll want to hang around and check out the interview segment with Ren Melberg, where she talks about the differences between approach to Agile as an IT solution or Agile as a business solution, and can the two ever coexist? Coming up next on The Guardian Podcast with Ren Melberg. This week during the interview segment of The Guardian Podcast with Ren Melberg, we discuss Agile practice or business practice. It seems that there are other places where the really good, sensible, useful, affordable solutions based on decades of social science combined with the lessons programmers and code writers have learned from Agile are merging to benefit other businesses. 
Software development practices such as working in short focus bursts, collaboration, and openness to change are now being applied everywhere. But just to sort of get this out of the way early, Ren, not everyone in the Agile community is in agreement with these ideas. Can you help us understand that point of view? I'll do my best. So I think a lot of it comes down to the Agile Manifesto. And it from what I've been able to pick apart, it seems like the men who were in the room who created the Agile Manifesto were not aligned on what it was about. There are clearly some people who were there who thought that when they said software, they meant software and they only meant software damn it. Mm -hmm. And there are other people in the room who were thinking of software as a product. And they really just meant product. And this seems to be the root of this disagreement about what is agile and is agile a business practice or is it just about software? Yeah, it's, um, it's puzzling to somebody like me who's an outsider because, you know, a focus on specific activities in a set period of time describes a sprint, but does it really matter if somebody is writing code or writing product descriptions to call them both sprints? And it really shouldn't matter, right? And when we look at the science behind things like Scrum, which is what you're describing, it doesn't really matter. We see huge productivity increases, whether it's even a pure business scrum, like we've talked in other podcasts about marketing, Mm -hmm. times when it's just a marketing team, they don't even have engineers or developers on their team, but they're still seeing all the benefits of the scrum practices, and they're seeing, including, especially, I guess, increases in productivity and customer engagement. Um, So, It really is kind of an interesting argument, and to be honest with you, one that I think the software purists are losing, and we're going to. Whenever we see any practice that can be applied in a much larger context, and people are trying to make it exclusive, it Mm -hmm. never works. Um, people are always going to take it and use it in their context. And I think what becomes more important, like what you were describing, is that we stay true to the spirit of the work. And so things like Scrum has multiple applications where things like extreme programming, you know, XP, mm-hmm. might not. You know, does, are there things in XP that we could learn about and use in, say, marketing? Absolutely. User stories are a great example. But does paired programming make any sense in marketing? No. no. <laughs> it doesn't. No. no. Um, but there may be things that around collaboration that we learn from XP that could be applicable to medicine, to the legal profession, to marketing, etc. Yeah, and, and you know, along those same lines, the use of frequent customer feedback that's going to be useful if you're in the garment business or you're a computer programmer. And I have a very difficult time understanding the reticence to allow other people to use these terms. I think it comes back to a couple of things. One is um, 
people do, some people do enjoy the idea of exclusivity, that this is ours, Uh it's not yours. Uh Um, But also, and I think this is legitimate, the sort of essence of Agile is, is getting a little watered down. And that's where, like I said earlier, it's important to understand the spirit. And that's why the Agile Manifesto was so important. Mm -hmm. And we look at the lean principles and the safe principles. These are other examples of how it's important to make sure that our practices don't become watered down and it becomes just another fad, Mm -hmm. you know, and we lose the value. Yeah, and I kind of want to flip this on its head and look at this issue from the other point of view, borrowing some of the tactics applied in Agile to the business world is not the same as the complete change of mindset that Agile requires. So you could say that just using these tactics doesn't really make you Agile, right? Well, there's two things there. And I would agree that if you're doing just the tactics and there's no reason to really label yourself as agile but also the business for real agile transformation whether you're doing software or not has to change their mindset or they're going to undermine the technology teams and so the idea that the business doesn't have to change their mindset or that they can't Mm -hmm. change their mindset um, it just isn't just isn't so. And so when we look at how agile practices are applied to businesses, so like the SAFE model, which Mm -hmm. fully integrates the business into agility, um, we see them make make the mindset change, the shift that is so critical in how we think about our work. And they're very effective at it. And they're actually, those companies wind up being significantly more effective when the business makes the mindset shift as well. Right. Yeah. And but you know, similarly, I can I can see the reasoning of an agile purist who would come up short when an HR department declared itself agile. Now, in that instance, does the purist or do the purists have a point? They could. Um, especially since it's hard to really think what is the product of HR because they don't really have a product per se. They're more of a service. Um, so, you know, I'm taking it, lurking it back to the safe model, right? Um, agile is a supporting function. Mm-hmm. And so for them to say that they're agile is, is a little tough. Yeah. Um, what we really need to see is how are they using the mindset shift to support the agile teams? So are they thinking of roles and responsibilities differently? Are they thinking of um, reviews and annual feedback differently? Are they thinking about rewards and recognition and compensation differently? Then we can start to say, okay, maybe maybe you have some agility going on here. Um, just HR doing scrum? No. We, we really need to think of them, we need to look at their agility in a different way. And I would say that's probably true of most services in organizations. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, so we've kind of looked at this from 
from both points of view, but I guess I found it ironic and wondered if you did find it ironic at all that agile purists who advocate the acceptance of rapid change are balking at the idea of expanding the agile universe to include, you know, finance, marketing, or like we said before, HR. No, not at all, because they've been balking pretty much since, you know, the Agile Manifesto was written and using agility on anything outside of software. I mean, as soon as teams started to use it for infrastructure, the purists were flipping out. So now the (laughs) the purists getting upset about this isn't new. Um, But it's important that we listen to them because they have been phenomenal feedback in helping us make sure that we have a clear vision and understanding of what our practices are, what does agility mean, um, what does it look like. You know, how do we know um, we're being at it? How do we know that we've made that mind shift? And if we don't have the purists, we don't have that mirror. And so, they're, they're, while they may be frustrating to some, I think they're critically important to everyone. Okay. Well, fair enough. But let's say that some clever somebody took the practices of Agile and renamed them Nimble and introduced them to the business world as nimble business practices, you have to kind of wonder, at least I do, if the same agile purists would claim that their ideas had been poached and just repackaged under a different name. I hope you've copyrighted nimble business practices. but um, I haven't yet. But. <laughs> you probably should. Of course they would. And, and, and they would be legitimate, you know. And and this is uh, goes back to another challenge with Agile. The decisions with Agile from the very beginning, before it was even named Agile, was that this was always going to be open source. Okay. And this is a challenge with open source. Sure. Is you have a lot of different people contributing and no one really owns it. No one really controls it. Well, that's a good point, um, because the idea, as you say, from early on was to share and make it available to everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, when we're off the air, I'll I'll get my, uh, my lawyer on the phone about <laughs> copywriting nimble business. <laughs> so the, the Agile movement seeks alternatives to traditional project management. Agile approaches help teams respond to unpredictability through incremental iterative work cadences known as sprints. Can you cite a successful non-software example from business where this approach succeeded? I think, you know, we had some great examples, you know, uh, you know, kind of, uh, uh, you know, plugging another podcast, but we talked in the marketing mm-hmm. agility is um, there's some great, so many great examples of just pure business applications with agility and really using the sprints to organize the work and really think about it and pri- prioritize it. Mm-hmm. Always important. Making sure that the business value and the why is clearly understood and articulated and getting that fast, frequent feedback. And just any time, even in our everyday lives, when we can break our own work down into bite-sized pieces, it makes it a heck of a lot less intimidating. Mm-hmm. 
and a lot easier to get those small bits done. Um, and I love it, and you fall in love with the word done <laughs> when yes. you're in Agile. Because um, it just, you know, every day you're getting stuff done, and it's like, yeah, that's fantastic. Um, but, you know, we talked about the examples I gave of on the marketing one of mm-hmm. providing wireframes or providing, um, you know, mock-ups of an advertising campaign before you go all the way to the commercial. That's right. And get feedback from your target audience from that, and they'll give it to you. And they'll give you really good feedback, and that's been proven over and over and over again with a lot less investment and a much shorter time frame. And then if you keep that relationship going, and so you're coming back to them a couple of sprints later, well, now what do you think? Now what do you think? You know, you start to get that really strong customer engagement. And it goes back to, you know, really the early days of the iPod, and that's what Apple did. They gave people prototypes, and they let them play with it, and they got feedback, and they kept coming back to them every couple of weeks. And what do you think? What do you think? What about this? Would that make sense? Does that work? Do you like this? And they really build up a base for their product before it even hit the market. Yeah, I loved that example in that marketing uh, podcast that you did where you talked about the use of um, storyboards instead of doing the complete commercial to save Mm -hmm. hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it really kind of seems like, to me at least, that the agile development methodology does and will help companies offer and build the products the marketplace wants and needs, like you talked about the iPod. And it just sounds like great business practice to me. And I'm sure you'll agree, but before I presume too much, do you? (laughs) I do. And the funny thing is, this, this always kind of cracks me up, and I don't know if other people are retained by it, but so much of what we talk about, about agile business practices, especially executives in the C-suite, goes all the way back to Peter Drucker in the 1960s when he talked about executive effectiveness. Mm-hmm. Number one thing he said over and over again, focus, prioritize, only do one or two things at a time. These are all the things that we use as the basis for Scrum and agility. Um, and it, it's, so it's, it shouldn't be surprising that the science that we're using for Agile and that we've used to build up our Agile practices, a lot of it came from the business world. Mm-hmm. So the fact that the business world is finding value in it really shouldn't be surprising. Yeah, I, I when you put it that way, you're exactly right. Um, just more irony everywhere, everywhere we look. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, can you think of any business situations where agile methods would be completely unworkable or somehow inappropriate? Well, we talked a little bit about some of the services they sometimes struggle. So legal, compliance, HR, you know, those poor guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, yeah. Because they don't have a, sometimes they do, but they don't always have a defined product. Mm-hmm. And so they are a service in an organization. And so their job is really to be in service of the agile teams. Right. 
And so sometimes it's a bit of a struggle for those organizations to see how they're adding value and how they're so important and how how they fit in um, to this big picture. Yes. Uh, Because they very often are not represented on anybody's schema. Yeah. Um, for Agile. And so it, it is a struggle for them. And it, that's where having a really good um, agility coach mm-hmm. is helpful because they can help identify who really is a service in your organization and they can show you where they plug in and how important the, the mindset shift still is. Mm-hmm. for that group so that they don't unintentionally undermine the agile teams. That's a good And point. they can. They yeah. absolutely can. Compliance in HR, and we've talked about this before, HR is usually the one that undermines them the most, mm-hmm. always unintentionally. They never mean to. It's just traditional HR practices are not compatible with an agile organization. So the focus on the individual, mm-hmm. competitive, competing against your coworkers, mm-hmm. both of those are huge agile anti-patterns. Absolutely. And reduce productivity. Um, and so that's, that's where that mindset shift really needs to happen um, in HR. But so, like I said, they're not necess- they're not an agile team necessarily, right? Well, that's right. That's right. So, and like I've said before, don't get me started on HR practices. Just <laughs> don't even don't even start with me on that. With the time we've got left, Ren, um, what if anything would you say to change the minds of those purists who are? you know, so reluctant to accept Agile in a, in a wider range of applications? I don't know if I would change their mind. I mean, I, just rec- I would just steer them away from organizations that are taking a wider uh, stance with Agile mm-hmm. and encourage them to stay within their comfort zone because they're going to be miserable and they're going to make the people around them miserable. Mm-hmm. And that's also an agile anti-pattern because we're supposed to be having fun with our work and not be miserable. Um, So I have, when I've run up against those people, really steered them to um, organizations that are producing software as a product. Um, And where they tend to be really successful are those kind of companies, and especially gaming companies, app development companies, um, web web development companies, they tend to be really successful. Uh, you get them into a traditional corporation or, or small business, and they usually are just absolutely miserable. Right. Well, and, and there's and there's no reason to be miserable. Life's tough enough, right? Why make it boy. tougher? You know, <laughs> it, it is. Um, it's it's always tough, and it just kind of seems like um, your approach to that is is very sensible. And while Agile does borrow language from religions, like calling meetings ceremonies, at least for me, I don't think it should be so orthodox that inclusion of non-software users of Agile should be criticized um, as thoroughly as they have been, at least based on what I've read. So, purists, lighten up. 
That's what I say. Hey, that's going to do it for this week's version of the Guardian podcast with Ren Melberg. You can read all the news items that I gave at the top of the show and see other write-ups from Ren on her website, www.renmelberg.com. Hey, be sure to come back again next week for another edition of the Guardian podcast with Ren Melberg. <laughs>